From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. As women and men the world over reckon with a tidal wave of disclosures about sexual harassment and the effects of Me Too, we're hearing more about mandatory arbitration and non-disclosure agreements and how they can stifle an honest accounting of the problem. And one industry where the use of arbitration is standard is Wall Street and finance. For decades, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, or FINRA, has been charged with supervising the behavior of more than 600,000 brokers, and that could include claims of harassment. These are the people who buy and sell securities. But how good of a job is FINRA doing? A new report by the Investigative Fund in partnership with The Intercept finds that in the past 30 years, women have brought only 98 cases, and 60 of them were dismissed or denied. Susan Antilla is a financial journalist who wrote the story called FINRA's Black Hole. She's also the author of Tales from the Boom Boom Room, Women versus Wall Street. Susan, good morning. Good morning. So what did you conclude from your reporting about Wall Street and how it's handling allegations of harassment? Well, they're not handling it well at all because there's no follow-up when there are problems. But FINRA's focus is really on investors and broker malfeasance, you know, the broker churning an account or the broker stealing money out of an account. And they're not so focused on these issues that we're talking about here. At the same time, though, they have a separate division that hears cases of sexual harassment. And even when they find an egregious case, nothing happens in terms of disciplinary action. So what role should it play when it comes to resolving cases that come before it uh, for sexual harassment or a hostile work environment? Well, you know, these arbitrators also hear cases that investors bring. And when arbitrators are sort of hearing about an instance where a broker has just terribly abused an investor, they have the opportunity to send that over to enforcement and say, maybe you should look at this. But I have never found a single case in 30 years, there's not a single case where those arbitrators sent a sexual harassment case over to enforcement because FINRA doesn't consider it part of its job. A big part of the situation here are mandatory arbitration clauses that people have to sign as a condition for employment. How did that come about? Well, initially, brokers had to use arbitration for all disputes. Ultimately, um, that was changed in 1999, but as soon as women had the ability to sue in court, all of the firms changed their policies, and they wouldn't give you a job unless you agreed to use arbitration. In other words, they wouldn't hire you in the first place. So basically, to get a job on Wall Street, most people have to agree to use arbitration and not go to the courts. Is that one of the reasons why, even in this Me Too moment that we're in, and we've heard stories from so many different industries that we've heard very little from Wall Street and from finance. Well, right. This is the industry that invented mandatory arbitration. They are the poster boy, and it's the industry that everybody else copied. And so they have a long history of keeping these cases quiet, and they continue to keep them quiet. We did have a number of cases in the 1990s where women sued for discrimination and sexual harassment. So you did have a Me Too moment for Wall Street, and there were hundreds of millions of dollars paid out in settlements. But I would not conclude that life is substantially better for women in those jobs today. So if you look at these uh, arbitration requirements, non-disclosure agreements, you have an agency like FINRA that's not maybe doing really active investigations, and then you have companies that want to limit the damage. What does that mean for the individual, someone who thinks that they have a case of sexual harassment? Well, I hate to tell you, Charlie, but but when people ask me that question, when women ask me that question, I tell them the first thing you need to do is hire a lawyer because the entire system is set up to work against you. If you go into HR not understanding how it works, you can say the wrong thing and you can end up giving the company free discovery, as they call it. You know, you give them free information that they can use against you later on. So I think that if you have that bad a case, 
that you want to go forward, you really need to have advice up front so that you don't make a mistake. In your reporting, the biggest settlement that you found that FINRA awarded was about $3.5 million to one woman. What was the outcome of that? Well, she did get her money. She had sued a broker who was at Edward D. Jones at the time. That was the biggest award in all of FINRA's arbitration database. And he lost his job around that time. So maybe he lost his job because of that. You know, I can't say for sure. But he moved on to another job at Raymond James and was the branch manager in one of their California offices. And that's where he was when I was working on this story. And I emailed Raymond James in March and said, is this, is it consistent? with your feelings about sexual harassment and your policies to have somebody like this on staff. And two days after they got my email, he lost his job. So um, his records say that it was part of a reduction in force. But again, they don't make any mention of the settlement. No, they don't mention the settlement. And if you looked up this man's records today, you will see a very minor customer dispute. It was really nothing. And you don't see anything about this. FINRA does not ask brokers to put these cases into their FINRA broker check, is what they call it, where the public can check on a broker. So what would it take to bring real change to Wall Street and to bring some measure of accountability for people who feel they've been the victim of sexual harassment? Well, look, one thing, FINRA definitely should be putting these cases on a broker's record. I don't know how they're getting away with not doing that. I mean, if they've been found liable for sexual harassment, let the public know that. And by the way, let other women in the workforce know that too. And, you know, the other thing that they certainly could do is bring enforcement cases. I don't see any reason why FINRA couldn't bring an enforcement case against um, a broker who had sexually harassed someone, but they don't and they never have. So how do we get an honest evaluation of what's really going on in the industry? Um, We don't. In my case, I went through 30 years of data, and I was able to take what was gettable um, to draw some conclusions about how well women did or didn't do. I always have joked that you could change the entire structure of arbitration if you had one seat in the room that was available for a member of the press. If you had just some sort of a public-facing thing going on, because you can't get the documents, you can't get the statements of claim, you can't get transcripts of these proceedings, it's not like court at all. It's it's the opposite of court. Why? (laughs) Well, because the industry is benefiting from keeping these things quiet. A $3.5 million liability was the biggest case in the database. That's nothing compared to what you can see in court. There's a woman who used to work at UBS as a sales assistant, and she had a jury trial because somehow they hadn't locked her up in arbitration, and the jury gave her $10.6 million. Because she didn't want to go through the appeals process, she got something less than that, you know, in the end. But that's what you need to do. You need to have some way to have the public know what's going on. And when all the documents are private and no member of the press can be in there, it's just not going to work. Susan Antilla is the author of FINRA's Black Hole. It was published in The Intercept in partnership with the Investigative Fund. Susan, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Charlie Herman. This is Money Talking from WNYC. 